Hello, hello. Welcome back to Behind the Backstretch, a podcast brought to you by the Backside Learning Center. I'm your host, Andrew Crum, and I'm excited to be back for episode nine of the podcast. It's been a while since uh, I was able to talk to you guys last. Uh, the last podcast was around the time of our benefit, the benefit for the Backside, which occurred on November 18th of last year and was a great success. So we are very excited about that. And for this month, we have a very exciting episode as well. Since this month is Black History Month, we first get to talk to uh, Mark Sims Jr., who is a trainer at Churchill Downs, and he talks about how he got started in horse racing and his ties to horse racing. Um, talks about his love for horse racing and his big ambitions and, you know, what it's like to be a black trainer in this industry. And that interview was actually done by communications and marketing manager Peyton Hobson. So thank you so much, Peyton, for getting that great interview with Mark. And also on this podcast, uh, the day this podcast is releasing is on Valentine's Day. So we will be talking to our Youth Engagement and Academic Success Coordinator, Micaela Viscarondo, and her husband, Raul, and they talk about, you know, how they met and fell in love uh, while working on the backside of the racetrack. So I'm very excited for you all to hear this podcast. And first, you will get to hear from trainer Mark Sims Jr. All right. So yeah, if you want to start by like, introducing yourself real quick, like what's what, what, what's your name? What's yeah, yeah. So my name is Mark Sims Jr. Uh, and I'm a horse trainer at Churchill Downs. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So um, I know that you know you have a part uh, a chapter in Better Luck Even Good that yeah. goes kind of into detail. But do you mind like kind of summarizing your story real quick? Just yeah, so for sure. So like uh, my grandpa would tell you that I learned how to walk walk into a horse barn. Um, he's had horses uh, on a small Indian reservation up in North Dakota called a Turner Mountain Indian Reservation. And that's kind of where I got my start in horses. Like, um, as long as I can remember, I've been passionate about horses. Um, so we were around horses a lot when I was younger. A lot of my family and stuff was involved, still involved. And then um, right out of college, I commissioned in the Army. The Army moved me all over the place. And I tell people that the Army made the mistake of bringing me to Fort Knox, Kentucky. And I got close to, uh, to race horses again. And um, reached out to a couple trainers, um, kind of established a relationship with uh, Dale Romans and his team, um, kind of worked my way up the ranks there, and then I uh, became an assistant. And then a couple years ago, decided I was gonna uh, gonna gonna try on my own. My grandpa passed away, and I said, "Well, let me give it a shot." So I gave it a shot, and uh, and here we are. Wow, <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome! Like that's an awesome like history. So you grew up. Like you, you've been around horse racing your whole life. What was that like, like growing up with the in, in the industry? Yeah, so I think uh, it was a little bit different, um, just because here, um, as you know, horse racing is like a big lifeline for Kentucky. It's not as big in North Dakota. A lot of guys who train in North Dakota, they just train during the uh, during the summers because the weather doesn't participate or, or cooperate during the winter. Um, so everybody had ex- everybody had another job. It was kind of a, a side hustle for them. Um, but the thing about horses, they get in your blood. It's hard to shake them. I can remember being like a kid and like, uh, seeing folks who'd work at Walmart or had lawyers, whatever. And I remember always thinking like, why do you have that job when you could be around horses? So it's been something I've always been passionate about. And, um, yeah, uh, I got the opportunity and, um, it's a tough game as as I'm sure you've heard or, or that, you know, but, um, early mornings and, horses don't know about Christmas and other holidays and your family's got to be involved in it and it's a grind 
but um, it's really fulfilling when uh, when your horses go out there and perform. Um, and I really enjoy like the competitiveness of it, kind of figuring the horses out. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Nice. Um, you said like horses are in your blood. What is that? What is that feeling like? What is that kind of feeling of like? Yeah. Satisfaction. Tell me about that a little bit. Um, I don't know. The only thing that I can compare it to is like I don't know having a kid, something like that. Um, there's something about uh, like seeing a horse, figuring them out, being with them every day. Um, whatever their little quirks are, if they got something that bugs them, kind of figuring that out, helping them out. And then them going out there and giving it all they have. It's just like a super fulfilling, rewarding feeling. Um, and once you get it once, it's like, shoot, when can I do it again? Um, so it's really cool. It's really fulfilling. Um, I, I was an athlete in college, so I think the competitiveness, I like the competitiveness, competitiveness of horse racing. But then just the horses themselves, um, they're such like a majestical creature. Um, they're so versatile. I mean, you can ride in horses, jump in horses, pasture ponies. They're very, very versatile animals. Um, so something about them and just how beautiful they are uh, grabbed me. Um, and yeah, again, I've had I had I've had a lot of other opportunities and other things I could have done, but um, the horses I just can't shake them. That's so cool. So having like a passion like that is just is is very special. Like so, I guess tell me how has been being a trainer uh it's been tough um i think getting going as a young trainer is extremely tough because uh it's just hard getting uh folks who owners and stuff i mean they've been in the game for a long time a lot of folks um and a lot of folks are a little hesitant to 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 take a shot with a younger guy um a lot of folks want to go with who's hot right now and, and that's fine but um, this year, I can't complain. I actually got a call. Well, late la or middle of last year, I, I really got kind of a huge opportunity. Um, the first opportunity I got was a guy named uh, Rick Running Rabbit. Um, he gave me $50,000 to claim a horse. We claimed a horse named Kazaranga. Had some some really good success with him. And then, unfortunately, uh, Mr. Running Rabbit um, passed away. Um, so things got a little bit tight. Um, but I just kind of kept my head to the ground. And then uh, for a while, I was like me and my buddies were putting up money to claim horses, we were claiming horses and, and having some success. And then um, this past year, I got a call from uh, uh, Eddie Kane, who runs Calumet, and then Mr. Kelly at Calumet. Um, they gave me a really awesome opportunity. They sent me some horses. Um, so so we got horses for those guys. And then I've had another owner named uh, Bill Cubbage reached out. Um, he actually owned Shackelford and had a lot of success in the game and, and wanted to get back in. And uh, we've claimed some horses and ha had a bunch of success over the last year. So um, business is booming right now, um, but it, it definitely, it, it's a grind. It's a hustle getting help. Um, but we got a good team right now, so uh, I'm, I'm really having a lot of fun right now. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So how many horses do you have right now? We got 10 right now. Um, hoping to claim a few more. And then um, hopefully when we roll into uh, to Keeneland and Churchill, we'll have uh, 15 to 20, ideally. Um so yeah, that's where we're at. That's awesome, dude. Um, okay, so um, you're not like racing right now. You're just like solely training here at Trackside. Yeah, so right now um, I had gotten some stalls at Turfway Park, but I didn't get enough stalls. Um, so we decided to stay here because we, we already established here at, at Churchill Trackside. Um, and then we ship out. So we ship horses to Churchill or ship horses down to Turfway. Um, we've shipped horses to Oakland and we can really ship anywhere from here um the facility is nice um all the guys are 
are at home here. The the the, the training surface is, is great when it's open. It's been a little cold lately, so we we've, we've been kind of froze out. But um, yeah, so we train here and and then ship wherever we want to roll. But it's a smooth trip to an hour hour and a half to get on the turfway, so it's not bad at all. Yay! Yep. And I really do like trackside. I think there's just something really peaceful about being here. Yeah, no, it's really quiet. The surface itself, uh, especially during the summer, it's great. Um, it's probably not as hard as and as fast as Churchill, so a little bit more forgiving, especially on some of maybe the younger horses. Um, but then, yeah, it's, the, the only pain is you got you to gotta ship over to Churchill, um, which it's a quick ship. But uh, most of the horses we got right now are pretty quiet. Um, we try to get them acclimated to, to getting on and off the van and, and, and it works out. Sometimes you get a little anxious one that's a little bit tougher. But um, it's quiet over here. They're not racing. So um, we got a good setup here where the horses can kind of look out um, and just, just kind of be a horse a little bit. So it's good. That's awesome. Well, cool. All right. Um, so, yeah, tell me what it's like because you're, you're talking about your age. How old are you, if, that's, if you don't mind? Yeah, yeah, no worries. I'm 33. Oh, wow. You're, only, you're older than me. Yeah. How fun. 33. So, yeah, man, look at all you've accomplished by age 33. <laughs> No, it's, uh, I've been blessed. I've got to see a lot of things, um, in my 33 years and, uh, hopefully we keep on, keep on rolling. That's awesome. <laughs> Congratulations. And so how, how has it been being a, a young black trainer, um, yeah. through these, these years? You know, it's, uh, it's been challenging. That's for sure. I think, um, one thing, uh, that's extremely tough here in Kentucky um, is a lot of the folks, especially training wise, are connected. So, whether it's their parents or their cousin, whatever, some kind of family tie brings them into racing um, and opens some doors for them that aren't to, are, aren't open to some of the guys um, like myself. Not just because I'm black, but um, just I'm not connected here in Kentucky. Um, I got a couple of buddies in similar situations, so it's kind of hard to break through. But um, I think if you keep your your head to the ground and try to win races when you can and um, take opportunities if folks want to talk to you to, to talk to folks and try to get your story out there um, the horses will come and then when the horses come I think you got to try to capitalize and um, try to make sure you're putting them in the right spots and, and, and trying to win races right. I think at the end of the day winning races is what's going to open your doors will open the most doors for you wow so I guess yeah um, if you could talk about a little bit more about like that perseverance you know specifically with like networking and, and, and having to you know keep your head up I guess yeah you want to expand on that a little bit yeah I think um, I don't know I just I don't think I've ever been a person to just take no for an answer um, unless there's like a good reason um, when I was younger I probably got whipped because of it but uh, just I listen to motivational speakers uh, I just always want to just keep my head to the ground. This has been a passion my entire life, and I've always kind of felt like um, I'm an opportunity away from the Hall of Fame. So that opportunity is going to come at some point. So I just got to keep on grinding and keep my head to the ground. Um, and at some point, the opportunities are going to come. We've had, I've had doors open. I've had doors closed. And uh, I just try to keep knocking on them, and the right one will come. And um, right now, I really feel like with, uh, with with Mr. Cubbage and a couple of new guys we got and, and Calumet, um, we're, we're knocking, we're, we're right here. So, uh, I'm actually getting ready to breeze a couple of horses. So hopefully maybe one of these ones will be our next big horse. So it's, uh, just, just keeping my head to the ground. That's awesome. Uh, okay. And then, um, your, so your grandfather had his own track. In yeah. Yeah. So we had, uh, up there in North Dakota, there's two tracks. Um, the first one on our Indian reservation is Chippewa Downs. Um, my grandpa actually helped get that started, um, years ago. 
Um, so that's there. And then North Dakota Horse Park is where all those guys train. So typically, like, during the winter, everybody kind of lays their horses up. Um, it's cold up there. They just kind of chill out. And then when it's spring, when the track thaws out and snow's gone, everybody starts training. And then they usually run, run throughout the summer and then uh, kind of rotate through there. A lot of times if they have nicer horses, they'll go up to a racetrack up in uh, Canada called Assiniboine Downs. Um, so we've actually still got ties there. Sometimes I ship horses up there or send horses to, up there. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's how they did it up there. And um, so he was a trainer as well. And wh- how was his experience, I guess, being like a, a black trainer yeah. in, in the business? Um, so he had a, a kind of a double whammy. He was a black guy on an Indian reservation. Um, so, again, I don't think he had very many opportunities. He tried to make the best of what he could. Um, a lot of the horses I think that he had success with were horses that didn't make it like on this circuit here in Kentucky. Um, and they, they'd find their way up there. A lot of times they were old horses and uh, had little nuances or had injuries and stuff, and he had to doctor them up. Um, and you really learn like some real old school horsemanship. Um, a lot of ice, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of cold water, a lot of walking um, to get those horses happy and sound. And then they would perform. They'd run well for them. So uh, that's... I credit a lot of like the horsemanship and stuff that 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 I know and that we use here here with my team um, from those days because we didn't have um, a lot of the the newer technologies and stuff so we had to be be a little bit more old school in our approach um, so yeah that's incredible and then um, kind of changing subjects here what does Black History Month mean to you? Uh, Black History Month means a lot I think uh, specifically to horse racing it's kind of cool because a lot of folks don't realize that. Um, like if you look at if you got the 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 analogy I like to use or the the story I like to reference is if you go up to the second floor at Churchill, they have two murals, one for trainers and one for jockeys who won the Derby. And if you look to the left, it's all black guys, black jockeys, black trainers. We have a rich history in horse racing, um, and there aren't a lot of us out now. I mean, right now I think here at the track side we do have more than we've had in a long time, but there aren't a lot of us doing it, and there aren't a lot of folks who know about it. So the more I can do to expose and, and bring folks into the game, um, I want to do it. Uh, because, again, we have a rich hi- history, a rich heritage in this game. Um, so I just want folks to know that we can do it. So, uh, yeah, no, I think black history is huge. Um, and I'm glad that the nation takes a, takes a month to kind of uh, remember some of the things or reflect back um, upon um, some of the accomplishments that uh, African Americans have had in history incredible quote and then one last question um for yeah like a a young teen like a black teen that wants to get into horse racing do you have any advice for for that for that yeah call me no um (laughs) no seriously i think uh just reach out to folks send send emails call folks text people um right now with technology it's a lot easier on social media to find guys just reach out to somebody tell them you're interested for the most part there's a lot of folks there's not a lot of folks interested in horse racing this is hard seven days a week early mornings late evenings um, but if you reach out to somebody and you come around and just check it out and see if this is something you want to do, if you want to do it, you will get an opportunity. You just got to, you got to grind, but we're always looking for young folks, especially young hungry folks. So yeah, reach out. That's awesome. Thank you so much for talking to me no today. No worries. No worries. Yeah. Thanks. 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 <laughs> thanks for coming by. Yeah. So this year and this episode of the Behind the Backstretch podcast, we are highlighting 
a couple actually fell in love with and at the backstretch. So today you will meet Mikaela and Raul. Mikaela and Raul, how are you guys doing today? We're fine. I'm doing fine. <laughs> doing fine today. <laughs> it, yeah. is a, it is a Monday, so yeah. you know, that's kind of how it goes. So first question that I have for you guys is, how did you guys, you know, originally meet? We met and worked. We used to work together. And uh, so, you know, what, uh, what were your guys' uh, positions at the track, you know, your work positions when you initially met? I was grooming horses. And I was an SSI rider. So, you know, what was it like, I guess, kind of working together, um, you know, before you guys, you know, got together? Good. I mean... <laughs> I said that too. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you we know... Had, we had a lot of fun working and we made a lot of good people in that job. Mm-hmm. You know, it was whispering. Miguel, anything <laughs> else to add there? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's why we work together, you know. Some people say, oh, you're seeing home every day, and then you go see and work every day, so you don't have time for you by yourself. But I say, no, because I'm watching all the time what he's doing. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's why we work together. So, so, uh, so, like, how long were you guys, like, working together before, like, either you started kind of dating or being together? Oh, I would say, like, like a year. Two years, I think. Uh, like two years. Two years, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, at what moment did you guys know, would you say that it was, you know, true love, that you guys, there was a spark there? I think because we saw every day and every day, like, we, I don't have any choice. <laughs> no, I don't because, because I smile. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I think, uh, you know, with... We have long and then start talking to each other, you know. I think when you see somebody every day, every day, and talking, you have yeah. something in common. And, and coming. And yeah, yeah it's, it's like you start talking every day. I think that's, we start to jump to the next step. <laughs> so then, like, what, what did you guys, like, what was kind of the main thing you guys bonded over? You know, what, what do you think? you guys like have in common the most with each other per, uh, personality mm-hmm. and we, we and we like horses and we'll mm-hmm. both be uh, speak uh, spanish. spanish and yeah i think i think that what, what about your guys's personalities do you guys think work so well uh, i would try <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, you, you say you're shy? Shy. Yeah, she talks to me first. Oh, talks to you first? Well, <laughs> I was a little shy. And... I don't think so because I'm not good for the phone number. I say, you can, I can have your phone number. And he said, yeah, sure. You know, he's giving really quick. Like he, like he was waiting to be asked at that point and then be like, okay. Here yeah. You go. <laughs> so I, I buy her for cup of coffee, and the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> cup of coffee, that's, that's, that's how it starts. That's yeah. how it starts. And I think that's where I have a lot of common, you know. He's yeah. drinking a lot of coffee. I don't drink too much coffee, but I really love that coffee that he's made every morning. I, I don't really drink a lot of coffee, but I feel like I need to, need to start doing it in the morning. So, did you guys do, you know, programming at the back, at the BLC uh, together? 
the yes didn't do any like classes or anything here or uh, n- no 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 the thing we um he find him well I know WLC is wasn't here for a long time but I never stopped in here but uh for the my first show just uh just little Jenny you remember just little behind and 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 reading and writing and one day Cherry just walked to the to the barn and and he's uh, talking about the service in here. And I think Cherry just, just told him about all the programs in here. And one day he say, oh, they have BLC program after the school. So he said, that is a good time for Jenny. And also night working, I think, for my citizenship. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. and Cherry helping us to find somebody to uh, yeah. f- figure out all my papers. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that kind of answers my next question, but if there's anything else, so like how has the, I guess, how has the BLC benefited you guys, you know, through the years? Yeah, we benefit a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a, like, uh, we are studying, uh, attending BLC like five years ago. Yes. Five years ago, uh, we started after program, uh, the Victoria's Church before, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, that's we there like five years ago, right? Yeah, with Victoria. And, yeah, and uh, yes, and with and an assistant for also English classes, and my kids assistant for after the school program. So, uh, Micaela, you know, now you are working with the BLC. So, what is it like? I guess kind of work, you know, working here now, and you know, what's your position here? Um, I'm. My position, my title is really longer, but it's... Yeah, um, I think the technical title is Youth Engagement and uh, Academic yeah. Success Coordinator. Yes. It is a very long title. <laughs> yeah. Very... I never remember my title, but yes, I say I'm coordinator for the young group, so that's... Okay. Yes, but uh, that's fine work. Uh, I start working in here. So, you know, it's like working, helping people, and also working uh, with kids after the school. So that, that's kind of mainly what you're... Yeah, that's... I, yeah, I, I like... Uh, I was working for preschooling, and I'm really missing a classroom with preschool, but, you know, and i working in here, like, working, helping people, and also working uh, for the school. Right now, I'm leader that group K to fifth grade, so it's fine. Uh, something like, I like it. Yes, and we, we love having here... You here, Micaela, you've been here for about three, four months? Uh, four or five months, almost five months, almost. Yeah. Four or five months soon. Before you even know it, it'll be your, uh, yeah. your year anniversary to end this peak. So a uh, couple more questions for you guys. Do you guys have any, you know, word of advice for young tra- couples that are on the track, the couples that are like you guys? Do you guys have any advice uh, for those young couples? Well, yeah. Uh, I would say, follow your dream, never give up, and, and work hard for what you want. Okay, Alex, do you have anything to add there? <laughs> um, I know it's like keeping work, and you know, it's like little by little you you can have your dream, you know, uh, and never stop. So just keep on going. And not only, you know, your dreams as you know, working on the backside of a dreams together kind of as a couple, you know, because you guys, you guys have 
children, right? So how many children do you guys have? Three. Three children. Three. You, know, you guys had three children. What, how, how old are, are those? Uh, the older one is just 17. She's almost 18. I didn't know you guys had an older <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. An 11 boy and a 6 years old girl. Yeah, that you, I've, I've, you met, I've met Victoria. Yeah, yeah. All the time she asks for interview. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, oh, you never met the other two? No. 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 So you have an 11 year old? Yes. 11, 11 years old boy and a... Uh, and, uh, almost 18 years old girls and also, so what is it like kind of you know being parents and has, has that been have there been some struggles there has it been so i figure it's not always negative not always positive i figured well i, I would say the the free child mm-hmm. you kind of prepare prepare you get, get you ready mm-hmm. for the next ones yeah you know it kind of it builds upon you. You learn new experiences. Right, you learn. Yeah. It teaches you. Yeah, it teaches you every every time. I figure I'll be there eventually one day. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I want to thank you guys so much uh, for talking to me today. Kind of telling you, telling me about your story. Um, not only your stories about working on the backside, but falling in love on the backside. So thank you so much uh, for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me here. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. All right, I want to send a huge thanks to Mark, Micaela, and Raul for joining this podcast. Um, I hope you guys really enjoyed listening to them and hearing their conversations. Um, a couple of things that I wanted to keep on your guys' radar just for the coming months and for the year. Um, if you check out our website, www.backsidelearningcenter.org, you will find multiple opportunities to volunteer at our current programs. Additionally, you can make a donation through our donate page, as well as check out our wish list, which has several items um, that are of need for the BLC. Additionally, we have internship opportunities, uh, whether it be for youth programming, social services, adult programming, and communication. And if you want to learn more about that, either for yourself or someone you know, more info can be found under the Get Involved tab on our website. And additionally, something to keep on your radar, um, that's two months from now, we have our spring event, which will be the second annual Derby Handicapping Social, which is an event that will kind of act as a kickoff to the Derby season on April 18th at the Louisville Thoroughbred Society, and more information will become available on that event soon. I want to thank you all again for listening to this podcast, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.